Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. You'll all be pleased to hear that the, the, the original trio is back. I'm, of course, Michael Curzon and joined with FCT Wicket. Sam, how are you? I'm good, Michael. I'm, I'm back. I'm back. Uh, I'm taking over the weather report from Luke. It's, uh, you know what, it's not, it's not terrible today. It's a bit cloudy, but uh, yeah, sun's still up. Very interesting. And uh, Luke Perry. Luke, how are you? Yes, uh, I'm very well. I can see your two smiling faces gazing back at my own because it's going to be a very upbeat episode this one i can i can just feel it oh yeah oh yeah yeah well we we always message before about what we're going to talk about and um we realized that the the main stories were pretty much all the same this week or at least on the same topic so i'm afraid to tell you this is where you either decide to carry on listening or probably more likely turn off we're going to be talking about covid the whole episode and focusing particularly on sort of emergency powers in england um, the, the extent of lockdowns in New Zealand and Australia and also some stories on vaccines and vaccine passports in Scotland, England and around the world. So I, I think we'll start on the first point, which is in England, um, that of air quote emergency powers. Of course, the coronavirus act was began in, in March 2020. Um, and there was a stipulation within that that it had to be renewed by Parliament every six months. Well, later this month, we're coming up to another renewal. This is a, a year and a half after it first came in to grant the government, as I say, so-called emergency powers. Um, and while there's some Tory MPs, you know, David Davis, for example, and uh, Mark Harper, I think, saying it's time to get rid of this now, I'm sure the number of, of fours will outnumber them, uh, outweigh their against votes, and that we will see these emergency powers carried on for yet another six months, um, even though, again, some health officials and government officials sort of hinted earlier this year that they'd rather it didn't carry on. Matt Hancock said that he would rather not see it being continued, which I suppose is, is vague wording, but hints that it might not have been. Um, but it seems that ministers want it to carry on, according to a report in the Financial Times on Friday, uh, for the purpose that they think there's going to be a bad winter ahead, that cases might spike again, especially as schools return. So that really is the story. People have taken up the vaccination uh, rollout quite seriously. Massive numbers of people fully vaccinated. Um, we've lived under these lockdown restrictions for a year and a half, and still there's quite a few measures and pressures to carry on masking and testing and all this sort of stuff. Yet it doesn't end. Well, they say there's nothing more permanent than a temporary measure, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know, it's, again, we say as if, you know, oh, um, as, a, as a hope, there's a small chance that, you know, Parliament could um, reject this thing. But I mean, it's not guaranteed. Parliament's a sham. It's 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 been a sham for basically this entire process. Um, it just serves to provide, you know, sort of a moral Kevlar vest for the government. They're going to renew it. They just are. And and I wouldn't be surprised if we we're back in lockdown by December. Yeah. Yeah, none of us here are surprised by the government being desperate to extend its so-called emergency powers because emergency implies that it is temporary. And, um, well, yes, uh, uh, talking to people throughout, throughout the pandemic, and we've all seen the writing on the wall, it is, it is going to continue. I've not got much else to say, and we've been saying it for ages. Yeah, no, too many people have just accepted it, you know, as, as part of their life now. Too many people don't know. Um, back when the... Like, um, example like i have a few friends who you know i go out with and um during, when the mask mandate was still in 
they you know masked up fully um and when it wasn't they weren't um but that that wasn't them you know embracing their newfound liberty that was them literally just doing what they're told um i think that's the case with too many people where they literally will just base their behavior off of the latest government decree um so if we were to be put to another lockdown there there wouldn't be anywhere near the sort of resistance that you'd expect. You know, we, we've seen protests, but I mean, ultimately, that that's not a majority of people. Most right. people will just go along with whatever they're being told by um, Public Health England and Sage and the government. It seems to me as well like the protests have sort of fizzled out now. There was there was a few months where it was every day, you know, quite a lot of action on the streets, people being against this. Um, but I suppose it probably due to lack of reporting uh, from the press, so they've kind of won in this, that they've, they've slowly fizzled out. People have started to realise uh, however many people come on the streets, we just won't get reported unless somebody, you know, fights somebody, in which case we'll just be called thugs. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that, that, there's certainly not much opposition there anymore. Um, though, of course, Sam, you write in our latest issue that it's sort of a, a useless type of uh, organisation of, of strength in any case. Um, and in terms of opposition in Parliament, well, the government has sort of recognised that it might have a bit more of a tricky job this time. And the government source has said, you know, uh, there's some Tory MPs who are reluctant to vote for it. But that, that to me isn't firm enough. And I think that the party probably actually is right there, that these people are only reluctant to do it. They don't see it as being downright wrong. You know, they're not sort of steadfast in their view that, no, we've got to stop it now. This is ludicrous. They're just people who think, well... You know, actually, I think it's been a bit too long, but still, I want to support the government and its measures and the Conservative Party's great and, and Boris has done as best as he can. So, uh, yeah, I think um, probably the number of Tory MPs who are being reported as voting against it will likely at the end of the day be slightly exaggerated. Um, and I just can't imagine Labour offering much of an opposition either, um, certainly too late in the day if it decides to now all of a sudden. No, it's... it's, it's, it's quite funny isn't it that the only party in parliament who are really sort of standing up are the liberal democrats uh the party who you know we've, we've all sort of you know poked fun up the last couple of years as being a bunch of you know sort of mini tyrants in a waitrose you know yeah, and uh, of course labor aren't going to um fight the government on its emergency powers because labor one day dreams of having this power for itself and so you have a case in a democratic system where parties can appear to fight against each other, but it's on very minor details. I mean, that the Labour opposition is just the cheerleading squad. The government says lockdown, Labour says, oh, should have been two weeks earlier. Yeah. The government says mandatory vac vaccination for um, healthcare workers. Labour says mandatory vaccination for healthcare and hospitality workers. Yeah. 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 Well, I think what you say, Luke, about them wanting these powers themselves is true. And sort of the government line as to why they want to extend these powers is, as I say, the idea that we might have a, a dangerous winter ahead. But I think probably the, the crux of it really is that they just don't want to hand these powers back full stop. Even if they thought there was going to be quite a safe winter, they'd, they'd still come up with an excuse that, oh, well, we never know what's around the corner. We need to be extra cautious. We need to make sure we're ready to stand up to the virus if uh, we need to in the months upcoming. So, yeah, I think it's it's it's... It's just spin, isn't it? This talk about the winter. It comes at a handy time for the government. Um, mm. But either way, it would be wanting to renew these things. And I think, again, either way, Parliament would be most likely to support it. Um, 
which which I think leads on to the, another point, which is in Scotland, as we said, we've mentioned on vaccine passports. Now, actually, there has been quite a bit of opposition to Nicola Sturgeon's announcement that she'll be following um, Boris's lead on vaccine passports in nightclubs and, and large venues, which, again, hasn't been defined yet. Uh, you know, the Greens there, I think, seem quite opposed to it. Liberal Democrats in Scotland were actually quite firm. Uh, against it. And so too was the leader of the Conservative Party in, in Scotland. Um, so that offers a bit of hope. Um, but again, will those in favour of it swing the day? From what we've seen on all the other measures, that's probably quite likely. Um, and and the, the extent to which vaccine passports are going to be included in daily lives will, I think, just carry on growing. It won't just be nightclubs. It will be hospitality venues, as we see in France, maybe even large shopping areas and in venues, things like this. So, yeah, the, the, the scope of it is really undefined, and I think on purpose. Mm. Well, it, it's creeping into here in England too. I mean, um, I saw a video the other day of... Um the the lyceum theater in london famous for the lion king um requiring vaccine vaccines to enter the theater um, right yeah again i think we've made this point before which is that you know it's um while the government may not you know uh, decide ultimately to fully put its weight behind the vaccine passport it will just it will just outsource that to you know the private sector and they'll, and they'll happily do it you know because because for, for no for no reason other than it's it's a high status thing to do you know in 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 the in the current you know sort of cultural regime this sort of incessant covid hypochondrian you know the, the idea that anything and everything you can do to vanquish this invisible enemy is justified it's a high status thing to do is to require vaccine passports because you know the the twitter journalists and you know commentariat who love who love this idea you know who who really fetishize the jab or you know write plenty of fluff pieces about it yeah well again it, it, it's not only the culture but whilst that is an important point and we see that with sort of you know pride events where every business takes it upon itself to to coat its armor in in pride flags uh, unless unless it's the middle eastern division of the well yeah there is that um <laughs> that's that's for another day but what i was going to say though is, while there is the cultural aspect another aspect is uh, we've not seen the government's plans yet, but it might well do this, is a business aspect. And, you know, what they've done in some states in America is say, right, it's your choice on vaccine passports. You don't have to introduce them. But, uh, well, the way they say it is, if you do introduce vaccine passports, you can get rid of other measures, which, of course, means if you don't introduce vaccine passports, you're still going to limit your business quite badly with social distancing, uh, distancing with masking and all this. So, so basically, businesses are thinking, well, hang on, my customers don't want to carry on wearing masks. They don't want to carry on distancing. Uh, and if I if I don't enforce vaccine passport checks, then they're going to rather go to a pub that does, so they don't have to wear masks and social distance. So it's we, we say this every episode now. It's the mafia choice where you say, yeah, you've got two options here, uh, but only one of the options is the one you truly want to go for. The other will land you in a bit of a pickle. Mm -hmm. Yes, this, this, this is my very big friend, Vinny, behind me. And Vinny would be very cross if you don't make the right decision. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and Vinny might show you how cross he is, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah no it's it's it, it's it's bad um but you know it could be worse we could be australia <laughs> well that's right luke you you pointed out a few stories on this what what's yeah. your take on what's going on down under yes us englishmen <laughs> looking upon the current state of our own landscape may consider themselves lucky when they look at the tyranny down under now we've been talking about vaccine passports seemingly forever 
on this podcast but we've also kept an eye on australia for, for quite some time now given how truly dystopian it has become and shock horror has gone even more dystopian since then now, i should give two examples that the first is um the so-called surveillance legislation amendment which has been introduced and grants the police basically full control over the internet it has the power to seize control of a user's account gather information from personal devices and of data disruption where it can copy and delete any uh, data and information it it wishes now of course the usual excuse is that it will only be targeting dangerous criminals and uh, the isis of the world and the innocent have nothing to be afraid of but of course we have been living under a rock this past year. These laws will be abused. And we're talking about Australia. The results are going to be pretty menacing. I mean, one avenue they certainly go down is for hunting down anti-lockdown resistance. I mean, that they recently jailed a guy for organising a protest in Sydney. Yeah. And uh, moving on, the, the second example is uh, to be found in South Australia, where the, the state government is trialling an app to uh, ensure compliance with its lockdown orders. So Australians will download um, a facial recognition app to, um, and if they are contacted by the authorities, they are to take a picture of themselves within their own home or wherever to prove that they are following this dictator. And if they do not respond within 15 minutes, the authorities will provide an in-person visit of their own, probably complete with a police and uh, or a blackout criminal van. So, um, yeah, j just just be lucky the government is only extending its emergency powers here. Oh, I mean, once a prison colony, always a prison colony, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, some stuff I've seen coming out of Australia, is it's awful. It's like, um, I saw a video of this guy uh, who wasn't wearing a mask in a park. Yeah, and he was like arrested and forced to be separated from his kid. His kid didn't want to be taken away. He was you know, crying, screaming, being dragged away. I mean, it's because we were saying before we, we recorded it, we've, we've somehow ended up in a, an alternate universe where, you know, Western, again, I say Western liberal democracies as if that's a good thing, but like Western liberal democracies are now, in terms of liberty, are now behind countries like Russia and Belarus and, and you know, Hungary and Poland. Like, how we ended up there? It is crazy. Uh, I mean, the. The hypocrisy and just the, the wild sort of exaggeration of what's going on in, in Australia and, and New Zealand, by the way, is crazy. I mean, one one example over the past week of two stories which merged together quite humorously, but also depressingly, uh, are as follows. So in, in, in Australia, um, I think it was New South Wales, but it's certainly just one, one area of Australia. There was a single COVID case, quote again around the word case, because that positive test result... Who knows what that could mean in, in, in so many cases uh, from the world. Um, following just one case, they locked down this whole area. I think it was either for three days or for a week, but, you know, a ludicrous response. New Zealand went one step further. Single case was followed by the locking down of the whole country um, for different periods of time. Where the person was, it was a week, the rest of the country for three days. But again, massively ludicrous response to that. But a couple of weeks later, maybe about a week and a half later, in New Zealand, when the country recorded its first uh, death uh, of, a, of a person from the Pfizer vaccine, what were the reports saying? Well, first of all, they didn't suspend the vaccine rollout nationally all of a sudden or say, no, everybody must stop vaccinating because it's very dangerous. 
uh, despite there being just one as with the COVID case. Instead, all the reports were saying about how safe the vaccine is, how everybody should take it. Don't be put off by the report. It's completely fine. fine. Just ignore this. Carry on getting jabbed. uh, And we'll all be able to get out of this madness. That that itself is madness. Um, The the fact that it responds in such a way to a single COVID case by locking down the whole country. Yet as soon as somebody dies from from a vaccine, they just basically cover it up, which, you know. uh, I saw saw this reporting on on Sky News once where they were covering the BBC journalists whose death was linked to them taking the AstraZeneca vaccine. And uh, so they they give, the Sky News give this mini obituary telling how sad it is. And then at the very end, they provide context that the reporter says, now remember the, the, as you said, the vaccines are very safe. You point out lots of statistics. Of course, they never give the same treatment to the coronavirus. No. Well, the reporting is, is sorry, the, the difference in the reporting is actually really stark. So when it's a COVID death, it's, you know, even though it is a death within 28 days of testing positive, it's always been reported up until very recently in some countries as a death from COVID. That's the way the, report, the, the news says it. The last 24 hours, we've had a further 34 deaths from COVID. That's, that's what it says. Um, yet when it's a vaccine death, first of all, uh, it's due to a very, very incredibly rare side effect. Very, very rare. Pretty much never happens. Oh, and by the way, you're just as likely to get this rare, very rare condition from COVID. So it's very, very rare. doesn't matter. And also, uh, it's, it's only linked to the, the vaccine. They had it. They, they died after taking the vaccine, not necessarily the vaccine. They had other conditions. And the, what they died of is actually also linked to this, this and this, which this person might have been doing in their lives. So sort of, you know, the, the, they cave it round as if the idea of someone dying from a vaccine is Chernobyl. And they just absolutely wall and case it for miles and miles so that nobody believes that that is the real cause. Yet with COVID, they're very lax. Um, which, you know, I, I can sort of understand the reason that they, they talk about the vaccines in this way, because fine, these conditions might be rare and it could have been caused by something else that's perfectly acceptable. But why not give the same treatment to COVID itself, especially after this amount of time, especially after so many people have been vaccinated? Um, but that, of course, would make it look as though we needed to get rid of these emergency powers, which is is not what the government wants to do. And remember, still who the main advertiser is uh, within the press, and that's the government. So that might be part of the answer to all of this. Mm. Well, <clears throat> look at what's happening in Australia and New Zealand, right? which are, I'd say are probably now objectively now two of the most tyrannical places on the planet. Right. Mm. This is this is the reality of COVID zero. This is this is the reality of it. This is this is you know one case and you're you're under house arrest. This is yeah. reality. Reality, you know, it, you now are required by law to give up your privacy and to of your face whenever you're, you're required to. All the police will be sent to your house. I mean, it's it's absolutely terrifying. And and going back to the the sheer dishonesty around the reporting of one. COVID-related deaths and two vaccine-related deaths. There's an article on the BBC about a teenager who was in hospital on a ventilator urging the young to get vaccinated. And there's a, there's a hilarious passage in, in, the, in this article, which is, um, you know, so the first bit is about how, you know, she was urging young people not to listen to anti-vaxxers and trust the science. And then it says here, however, the student from Newport said the doctor had confirmed the clot on her lung was not related to the one dose of the Pfizer vaccine she'd received. Right. So, I mean, it's it. They're looking in your eye and they're smiling at you while they lie to you. Mm. It's yeah. it's so like <clears throat> it's so bizarre for, for people like us who are sort of you know outside of the 
hypochondria bubble and sort of looking and going, what is happening in there? You do, you need to think like people within that bubble, i.e. most people, are just not seeing it. And it's it's the strangest thing. Yeah. Well, there, there's no there's no way of them seeing it. If, uh, you know, it's it's sort of seen, and I, I used to have this view that it's, it's the good, proper thing to go out every day, get the newspaper, to listen to the radio if you can in the morning, radio for listen to what's going on, and then in the evening uh, watch you know eight o'clock news or ten o'clock news, something like this, and and then you know you know what's going on, your you've your basis, you form a proper basis of understanding what's going on in the world, and if you do that, then you do only get this one side, the one side which is peddling the fear, which is still happening. Um, the government, I think, coincidentally, has, has just. Um, sign new contracts with people to set up new campaigns uh so we're going to see even more campaigns of fear i mean remember the one which tells young people if you don't get jabbed you'll miss out on the fun you'll miss out on nightclubs and miss out on life and all this sort of stuff and of course getting young teenagers and all sorts of people involved one funny one actually that i saw they found out i think it was a third of uh english uh premier league players hadn't been vaccinated and didn't intend to get vaccinated and they said that as a result, the AFL has, uh, has set up educational campaigns, it called them, to change their minds. And it's getting Jonathan Van Tam involved. Re-education. Yeah. Can, Re-education. can you just imagine a room of professional footballers with Jonathan Van Tam standing at the front saying, you must get jabbed. This is why COVID is a great risk. You just, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that room. You can imagine some very funny scenes. Wish, I wish one Amazon documentary of a football team could capture that moment. Yeah. And, and I'm also wondering the uh, the nationalities and the ethnicities of, of those who need to be educated, quote unquote. It won't be a good look for the regime. Well, no, that's true. Uh, and the Guardian sort of points this out a lot, actually, uh, which is it's it's one reason for being opposed to vaccine passports. It seems is the only reason. Yeah, well, yeah, perhaps is that. Uh, uh, m- statistically people who don't want to get vaccinated uh are from sort of minority groups a lot of you know but by percentage i think black people are less likely to want to get vaccinated which they they sort of link to uh generally a greater distrust to the system you know and they might say it's down to institutional racism and colonialism uh and racism and all this sort of stuff within our culture whatever it is uh you're right it's not a good look for the uh for the for the regime to to be re-educating primarily these people <laughs> in rooms about why they should uh, actually put aside their distrust and and go along with the government on this one. Mm-hmm. There's um <clears throat> there's um there's a quote I saw on, on Twitter yesterday from uh, Oren McIntyre who um if you aren't aware of him go check him out on Twitter he's 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 generally right about most things. Um, he, he made this brilliant tweet about, uh, in relation to Australia and saying basically countries like, you know, the UK and Canada, Australia and Zealand, they haven't abandoned liberal democracy. This is the terminus of This is the final form of liberal democracy. You know, it's a totalitarian oligarchy that, you know, controls via technocracy and pop and um, manage popular sovereignty. It's, you know, mm. th- th- this is just the inevitable state of, you know, 21st century global liberalism. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's because it, it, it's 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 interesting how all these you know darlings of you know global liberalism seem to have fallen into lockstep on this, mm. and they're becoming increasingly unhinged, increasingly um, tyrannical. Yeah. 
And if you can manufacture consent and play by divide and conquer, you're practically unstoppable. And mm. if you can manage the supply of bread and circus, that's your power and grain for a lifetime. Hmm. But also, if you if you have, you know, so the 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 public sphere, someone like Habermas would refer to it, is now Twitter, right, and Facebook and Instagram, right? Silicon Valley oligarchs. Well, they're on site too. You know, so it's like it's like it's like being in a debate hall, but the debate hall is sentient and working against you. You're not going to win. I mean, talking about sort of the government's control here and it's it's pushing for for vaccination. Have you have you seen the latest figures on uh, young people and vaccination rates, which which remains, I suppose, considering what's been going on in the last few months, quite low. Um, I think there's a quarter of eighteen to twenty nineteen year olds. Uh, to, sorry, 18 to 29 year olds who haven't been vaccinated which doesn't sound very high but bear in mind a few things one they could have got the jab from june so it's been quite a long time um two uh, um, the main reason i think is there's been constant pressuring i mean first of all the bribes you know the free burgers and the the free 10 pound voucher from morrison's but also the not so petty bribes the will enter you into a £5,000 cash prize drawer, as universities have done. Uh, you've also got the, the constant campaigns of celebrities, politicians, uh, and of course, uh, parents, grandmothers, friends, cousins, neighbours, etc., who the, the government has essentially uh, persuaded to have a go at those who don't get vaccinated and tell them they're going to miss out on their lives and the underlying threats of vaccine passports. Despite all of these things, since June, there's still a quarter who haven't got vaccinated, which I find to be quite high. I was surprised by that, actually. Um, and, and when you look into certain areas, you see it's actually quite big in some places. I mean, in Birmingham, I think it's close to 50% who haven't been vaccinated in that age range, which doesn't surprise me, actually. Um, 54 local authorities in England uh, in these 54 local authorities, more than a third of young people haven't been vaccinated yet. That's massive when you consider how many areas that is and high, how high a percentage that is. So, you know, maybe um, young people aren't being affected as much as we might have thought. I mean, I suppose the clincher might be later this month when vaccine passports are supposed to begin. Because if young people arrive at pubs, venues, clubs, festivals which we've just had a similar over i suppose it's continuing uh and nightclubs and what have you and are told no you're not allowed in you're not vaccinated that could shift quite a few people i think uh that could be sort of the final draw so or straw rather or draw whatever um so yeah it'll be interesting to see how the levels change at that point but up until now as i say, i'm quite surprised actually just how many uh have said no i'm not going along with this hmm. Don't forget, there's also a, a fear operation going on for young people, not just the you'll, you'll kill granny, but the threat of long COVID. Yeah. Now, whilst very few young people die directly from COVID, official statistics are about two in a million, but there's also just the uh, the looming um, threat of, <laughs> of long COVID. Now, the symptoms are you know, very broad breathlessness, fatigue, hot flushes, and of course, that this this could be underlying of, of literally any illness, and, and uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, and of course, you, you, people don't know what's going on. No, no. I think I think the threat of of long COVID hasn't actually been advertised very well by the government. It's not something you hear about as much, and I don't think people understand it as much. I think it's uh, slightly. Wait, no one knows what's going on. <laughs> 
Yeah, quite. I think it's slightly too technical a, an idea for it to have had a proper hold within society. So that one, that one hasn't really worked. I mean, also there's a, there's a good piece on uh, the Daily Skeptic. I think it might be today actually on Friday um, by Dr. Will Jones, who writes on one of the most recent studies on long COVID, uh, and basically the author of it sort of notes uh, through his research that there's not that many cases of it and that it's not particularly damaging for young people, but sort of in the conclusionary remarks and in interviews uh, with BBC Radio 4 and, and other places has played up the risk of long COVID despite releasing the study. So quite an interesting piece there for people to have a read of, I think, uh, to see what sort of tactics are in play. Even when they find that something isn't as bad as they thought, they still claim live on the airwaves that it might be. Hmm. Uh, you know, we've been talking about the first and the second vaccines, uh, but uh, there is now, of course, the the other underlying message of booster vaccines. Now, uh, Professor Sinatra Gupta is a, I think she's an epidemiologist at, at Oxford. I might have got that wrong, so, but she's definitely a professor at Oxford and one of the founding members of the Great Barrington Declaration, says that booster jabs... Um, might be necessary for a few people who are, I think they say that the ones who are immunocompromised, they're extremely vulnerable. Fair enough. Give it a crack uh, is her is her argument. But for most people, there's no advantage uh, because unless it's a lifetime thing, if the booster vaccine gives you protection for the rest of your life, then she can sort of see an argument for it. But if this is something that has to be topped up every six months, which is sort of what they say is now Pfizer's lifetime around about six months, then what we're doing is opening the door to never-ending lockdowns, essentially. You're saying we're, we're in a permanent state, is what she said, a permanent state of lockdown, always requiring more jabs. We're always being watched, always these facial recognition things to test how many vaccines we've had and all this. So, yeah, it really does open the door to a sort of another layer, I think another le level down, which is, say, deeper into how of, mm. of just how extreme these measures are. So that's... That's certainly another dangerous path which we well, like, we seem destined to fall down. Yeah, and but um, but most people aren't going to fall down it. They're going to sprint down it, you know, frolicking, frolicking and skipping. Like, how, how do you know that someone's been double jabbed? Right, they'll tell you. That's how you yeah. know someone's been double jabbed. Like, people love to fetishize the vaccine. People people can't get enough of it. You know, people would people would take ten if they could. You know. Like the idea just of just more opportunities for selfies, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's Facebook just, cover for, for, for selfies, for vanity, for you know, sucking up to the regime. It's it's literally just become another vehicle for people to signal their loyalty to their overlords, and it, people can, people love it. And the people who love it the most are the ones you know, the the priest class, you know, the you know, journalists, academics, you know, doctors. Like it's yeah, it's 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 going to be a disaster for people like us who because like. I know, Luke. You've you've had the, uh, the the old coof juice, but I mean, um, I think I think even you, someone who's you know had it, will draw the line at being repeatedly jabbed under the threat of being you know ousted from more public amenities. Well, yes, of course, of course, I've always been against that, and, and I took the vaccination for um, because of reasons that are personal to, to my family and my family situation. Not not through um, you know, you're gonna be knocked out locked out of that nightclub. Or that football stadium, and um, I mean th this is the trap in which those who are thinking, okay, you know, I'll just do my bit for society, get the first jab, get the second jab, and it will be those people who will then draw draw the line at boost jabs and then being <laughs> repeatedly jabs will be forced yeah. out. Again, as you say, Wicket, many will fall in line um, and be and be willing to do so. 
Yeah, well, um, I, I saw quite quite a funny trend emerging in France of people um, going to cafes that require vaccines and then sort of just dining outside of it and having these big like street picnics outside. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think, I think in France or in Russia, um, basically the restaurants that, that were, I don't think it was Russia, the restaurants that were requiring them were like losing a lot of money because people just on a moral level just weren't going to them, even if they were jabbed. Mm. I think in in Italy that there was a protest where um, people were burning their va vaccination. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah the green passes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, I'm even curious. Like get, getting the vaccine, not evidence you support this tyranny. Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, if if honestly, going back to the point of you know this doing nothing to affect vaccine hesitancy. I mean, if my choices, you know, um, repeatedly get jabbed, even though I'm 25 years old and in good physical shape. And not at, not at risk and have antibodies. If my choice is either get jabbed regardless of all that, or just not be able to go to the pub or the cafe, then I'll just you know I'll build a pub in my garden. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is where I have a little bit of buyer's regret because I've sort of lost or temporarily lost all my power against this regime. I, I, I can't protest by not getting the vaccine. Yeah, that that boat sailed. Yeah. Well, I think the annoying thing about this whole vaccine question, though, because you're right, you know, you always know that someone's been double jabbed because they're very happy to tell you about it. But why, why, yeah, why do we even, no, not you personally, I mean, people who want, <laughs> oh, no, yeah. people about, why, why do we even care about this? Why does anyone talk about who has or hasn't been vaccinated? It should have, you know, in a, I hear it all the time in local pubs and uh, cafes and just where people socialise with people they, they've not seen in a while. Oh, have you had it yet? When have you got it? Why are we talking about this? It's not a sort of uh, a, a friendly, sociable topic that you, we should be talking about among people. It should be a fairly personal thing, which someone decides to do or not to do for their own personal reasons. Mm. Uh, and then we get on with our day. I don't see why we even consider it. Yeah, it's been happening to me a lot at work recently where they, they say, you know, have you, do you have a jab? And I say, no. And then they say, why? Yeah. No, like, like if it's a simple yes or no question, fine. I don't mind saying, no, I'm not jabbed because I'm not really ashamed of the fact at all, but it's still why, you know, suddenly I have to like justify it, hmm. which is, which again is, is um, something I've also talked about in the past, which is that uh, on top of there being, you know, mounting um, the threat of mount of legal pressure and vaccine passports, there is also still a culture of pressure to take it, you know, hmm. and that's reinforced every time someone, you know, openly brags about getting double jabbed or you know, something like that, you know, it, it, it just adds to it. Yeah, and I think there is also the same problem on the opposite side of people who haven't been vaccinated being very loud about that. Where you know, I think the way it should be is get jabbed or don't get jabbed, your choice, uh, and leave it at that. You know, who cares? That's fine. Um, there's an old Christopher Hitchens story, I suppose, on that about not that I agree with it on the religious point, but I suppose it works here with it. with religion. He says. Um, you know, I don't mind you being religious, but don't bring it into my house and and make me play with your toys. You know, um, <laughs> make my children do something I don't want them to do, or make me join in with something that I don't want to do. Just do your thing and and let that be that. Do your thing and let that be that. I think that's a good place to sign off, Michael. Yeah, I think that's quite good. Uh, so we're gonna end the recording and now do our things uh, and and let that be that. So thanks all uh, for listening. Um, hope that you join us again next week and uh, yeah cheers have a good day